Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, the weekly showcase where we talk about movies, in this case, many films, and we decide whether the tomato meter got it right here at Rotten Tomatoes. My name is Mark Ellis. I am usually joined by my wonderful co-host, Jacqueline Coley. And usually if she's not here, I'll say something glowing like, oh, she's on assignment. She's working on a project. I bet Jacqueline is at home playing video games. And that is so well-deserved because she just came <laughs> off the award season run where she's covering everything coast to coast internationally. We had the Oscars recently. And so Jacqueline Coley, deserving of her respite, play those video games, probably playing The Last of Us, given what everybody's watching on TV right now. So we have some ringers that we brought in to make up for the loss of Miss Coley. First and foremost, my good buddy, comedian, actor. You can catch him weekly on the show Capes and Cows. Mr. Winston Marshall. How are you, bud? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. It's my first time in the studio. Yeah. This is this is fun. It. This is amazing. Yeah, call like, up to the show. Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 the whole time I've had to show my like dirty office like that. You know what I mean? It's nice to be in like a curated, properly lit, like sounding without the echo and the construction in the background. Just chef's kiss. It man. was always fun having you in like virtually, though, because you almost had the green screen take up your entire shop. But there was always a part where you're like, is that Winston's bed? Is that? <laughs> Because you have like all these lights set up around your bed. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what Winston's doing behind closed doors, that, but it seems like he's got a thriving career on various websites. That was the problem is that like <laughs> I, there's when you live in a studio apartment, like what do you what do you do? Like, how do you hide all of that? You kind of can't. So then people are like, oh, and I'm like, no, I swear to God, I was auditioning for Superstore. <laughs> that's not what that's not what this was. I swear on Jesus. You so. have to embrace the studio and also making her debut on Rotten Tomatoes is wrong in studio or otherwise it is one of my dear friends and she has so much going on right now. She's a shining example of hard work paying off. That's actually the name of her short film that she stars and directed and is coming out soon. One shining example also in theaters later on in March we have Malum. It's getting a wide theatrical release and it stars 
Miss Clark Wolf. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) She did find a way to wedge some horror into this episode where we're talking about Mr. Keanu Reeves, his incredible body of work. He's had this odd career where we always loved him, but we weren't really sure if he was a good actor or we just liked him. Is he charming? Can he actually pull off a wide variety of roles? I think after watching his resurgence with the John Wick movies and other things, we can safely say we're still not really sure. But that's why we love talking Keanu Reeves movies. And so what we did today is we picked uh, one movie each that's rotten on the tomato meter, and we're going to defend that with vigor, or we're going to say, hey, it's rotten on the tomato meter, but it's still too high. It's going to be an interesting debate here. So we have a couple things I want to point out editorial-wise. On the website, RottenTomatoes.com, you can check out the 30 Essential Football Movies. That might factor into one of our picks here today. And we also have all the Keanu Reeves movies ranked. And here is what is nuts about our choices. Our choices are sequential on the list of all the Keanu movies ranked. So starting off with number 41 out of his 57 flicks in the tomato meter is Clark Wolf's pick, Knock Knock. So Winston Marshall, I'm just going to ask you, not Clark, (laughs) is Knock Knock on the tomato meter currently at 37% rotten. Did Rotten Tomatoes get it right or wrong? They got it wrong. <laughs> okay. Should be at one. Oh! No! Okay. Is there a zero? One percent or number one? One percent? Oh, boy. I, okay, look, Ooh. I'll give you ten. It could have ten percent. Okay. And that's because <laughs> I love the premise. And Clark, the one gift that I have to say thank you for, that might be the sexiest three-person cast of all time. I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> That's exactly where it stops. <laughs> I didn't know that Anna de Armas had a, a, a time in her life where she couldn't act either. Oh, Cause boy. Because all of a sudden I was like, oh, so y'all just live in a, a fantasy land where none of this makes any logical sense. <laughs> and you clearly have no idea that you live in a real world scenario. Whatsoever. Like, I, I don't have a problem with the idea of like the home invasion and all that, but the acting was so bad. All right, well, be careful because Clark, is a she's a master of horror as far as filmmaking and just mm. being a fan goes. And so Fair. I feel like Clark might have some pushback as to why the acting was the way it was in that movie. But now we turn it over to Miss Wolf for Winston's selection, which is the tearjerker from 2001, Hardball, 41% rotten. Clark Wolf, did Rotten Tomatoes get that wrong? I think so. I think so. I think with all of our picks today, uh, the the theme, I think, is going to be the type of movie we are in. Yes. And, <laughs> and I think that, that there is something to embracing knowing what movie you're in. And so I think with a very tearjerker, sweet, you know, heartfelt story uh, like Hardball, I think that everybody is showing up for that movie. Same with The Replacements. Thank you, which is my movie. And a perfect transition there because The Replacements, everybody definitely knew what movie they were in when The Replacements came out. From Keanu Reeves to Gene Hackman and everyone else, The Replacements, the wonderful football movie, the based on a true story, very loosely based on a true story, of the 1987 Washington football team, now known as the Commanders. It's 41% rotten. Winston, despite your affiliation with another team in the NFC East, 
What do you think about the 41% for the replacements? Did Rotten Tomatoes get it wrong? Absolutely got it wrong. This should be at like an 80. Oh, thank like you. Like it's, it okay. is, it is d- d- rewatching it for this. Uh-huh. It's very cheesy. Let's not, it's not, let's not pretend like there isn't camp in there. The cheerleader like audition scenes. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I, that, that was a 57, 42. That, is that 20 yards? How many yards it is? Like it just, it has all these elements that are, you look back, you're like, this is very much a 2000 movie. Sure. Sure. But, but the heart, like you said, in this film, uh, Clark was talking about that earlier with Hardball. There's so much heart in it. There's so many like great lessons because even though on the one hand, looking at the NFL now, I agree that the players should get as much money as they can considering they're putting their bodies on the line, what the owners are taking, all that kind of stuff. At the same time, it was showing hey, these regular Joes are out here in these streets and they deserve that recognition as well. They deserve that chance. I I just love everything this movie has to give. Yeah, it felt like they were playing for their city, which is our nation's capital. Uh, Clark Wolf, 41% rotten for the replacements. How does that tomato meter score hit you? I I agree with Winston. I think it should be much higher. I think for what this movie is especially, but this cast is so good. Yes. Like they are, now again, uh, we are painting with a broad strokes 2000s brush, so... (laughs) That is your little disclaimer and asterisk. But that said, everybody is very good. And I I have lost touch with him, but I was friendly with Orlando Jones for a while. And he, to me, stood out. He's so good in this movie. He is a star and he's entertaining. And, uh, you know, I I love a dance sequence and I get two of them in this movie. We get a bunch. We we get a prison dance sequence, (laughs) which I don't know has been on screen since Jailhouse Rock. Nothing has made me happier than seeing... Black people and white people and one Japanese guy come together <laughs> and so poorly do the electric slide. But every time I'm in there with them, as we are about to on the show here. So uh, we're talking about Keanu Reeves because we love him always, but also the John Wick franchise gets a new chapter March 24th. John Wick chapter four coming out. I've gotten a chance to see the movie. I think it's currently 87% on the tomato meter. Mm. And that might not be high enough, man. The, the one word wow. I'm telling everybody, I'm not going to ruin anything, nunchucks. <laughs> not since that guy in the sewer who looks like a turtle named Michelangelo, have I seen nunchucks on screen this well done. Wow. So again, we got all the Keanu movies ranked. You can check that out as well as the 30 essential football movies on RottenTomatoes.com. Before we get into movie talk and defending our choices, we're going to turn it over to our buddy Tim Ryan. He's our expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes. And his job is to tell us what the critics were saying about these three films at the time of their release. As Clark Wolf would say, a very broad 2000s brush. <laughs> it's all yours, Tim. Two minutes with Tim. Is there a celebrity more beloved than Keanu Reeves? Maybe that's a stretch, but is there a celebrity that makes everyone go, they seem like they're probably pretty cool, besides Keanu Reeves? Maybe Dolly Parton and Snoop, but it's a pretty small club. In his public persona, at least, Keanu Reeves is somebody who seems to wear his movie star status lightly. But that almost undersells the fact that he's also carved out one of the most distinctive bodies of work of any actor of his generation, from big-budget action films to small indie dramedies. So even if his movies aren't all critical raves, and even if he's taken some knocks from reviewers over the years, you have to give him credit for a willingness to try almost anything. So with that in mind, here's what the critics had to say about three of those less well-reviewed films. The Replacements, Hardball, and Knock Knock. The Replacements from 2000 is rotten at 41% on the tomato meter with 108 reviews, and it has a 66% audience score. 
Hardball from 2001 is rotten at 41% with 115 reviews, and it has a 70% audience score. And Knock Knock from 2015 is rotten at 37% with 75 reviews, and it has a 19% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review for Knock Knock, Chris Knight of Canada's National Post wrote, Even fans of Ross' past work will probably be disappointed by the relative lack of gore in this one, which suggests a mix of horror and thriller, but quickly settles into more of the latter. But give Reeves full marks for committing to his role. However, in a fresh review for Hardball, Renee Rodriguez of the Miami Herald wrote, Reeves hits a wide variety of emotional notes here from Connor's comic befuddlement on the field to his mounting desperation as he dodges increasingly impatient loan sharks. He fares well, too, in his scenes opposite Diane Lane. So that's a couple of Keanu Reeves movies. Let's kick it back to Mark, who knows that all we are is dust in the wind, dudes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's a great, great outro, Tim. And back to us here talking about uh, our three Keanu Reeves movies, but I will give a shout out to Again, my beloved co-host, Jacqueline Coley, probably playing a video game right now. She loves Constantine. So I'm going to put that out there, Constantine. Is that rotten? It is rotten. What? And you you, you hear Jacqueline is a voice of the people. I think it's like high 40s. It's like 49% or something like that. So That was my first pitch, by the way. 46%. Was like, I was like, oh, can I do Constantine? And Like we've just we've spent a lot of time on Constantine already. It's like okay, fine, fine, that's fine. It's like all the Keanu Reeves movies are like countries in the board game of Risk, and yeah. you're like, oh, can I just see what's going on with Austria? And they're like, Austria has been it's it's been claimed. It's done. Okay, you got to go somewhere else. So that's what we're about to do as we transition into movie talk. Yeah, Constantine is an interesting movie sort of to kick off with just in terms of the discrepancy Mm. between the tomato meter and the verified audience score because a lot of these Keanu Reeves movies that are rotten like Constantine, 46% of the tomato meter, all the way up to 72% with the audience. Same can be said for two of the three films that we're talking about here today where the audience score dramatically improves. Another film, the audience score mysteriously drops precipitously in terms of when you look at the tomato meter. But let's just kick this off, Clark, with why do we love Keanu Reeves so much? Going all the way back to the first time you were aware of this human who is in movies. I think he's just uh, so sincere. He has such a sincerity and like a a very authentic, an authenticity about him to the point where I think if people are being critical of him as an actor, that might be where it comes from. Is he so much himself Mm -hmm. that maybe we have a hard time or he has a hard time sort of breaking out and stepping outside of that? He's his own vibe. Yes, exactly. And But I will say, you know, some of these movies, and we'll talk about it, but there there are certain movies here where I'm like, this fits him better or or maybe this doesn't fit him as well. And that's, that's, I think, that's been the journey of his his career as a movie star, right. which is a thing unto itself. I'm, I'm curious for both of y'all's take on just the first time that you were aware of, like, was there a movie that was coming out and you're like, who's that guy? He's cute. That's a great question. I, I was doing that mental gymnastics in my head. <laughs> um, I think it's The Matrix. And it's just from the standpoint of like, I was born in 87. So okay. I watched the stuff that I watched. So like Ninja Turtles on repeat. Uh, the Power Rangers movie on repeat. Like, I didn't really stray outside of the things that I... So it wasn't until around when I became a teenager that I started to become more broadly aware of, like, movies, movie stars, etc. And I remember everybody being like, this Matrix movie's gonna be wild. I was like, what is that? And then once I saw it, I was like, yo, that dude's really good. And then 
remember the next year seeing the replacements and being like, well, I loved Neo in, ne- in that you know, Matrix <laughs> thing. He's killing it as a quarterback. And then he turned around and did Hardball, which is probably one of my favorite sports movies of all time. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree with that, too, even if it, it's such an emotional powerhouse and what a wallop it packs towards the end that we'll talk about. But yeah, I think a lot of people, even if they can't watch the end every time yeah. they watch it, it is such a rewatchable movie for that that sports kind of juice you get. For me, it was Point Break mm. when uh-huh. it was coming. And it's funny because I'm seven years older than you. And so we're going back from the Matrix all Almost seven years. I think Point right. Break was ninety one, but I remember coming out and the fir- my, at first blush, I was like, "Keanu Re- Reeve, Reeve, is he Christopher Reeve's kid?" I thought he was Christopher <laughs> Reeve's son, and I'm like, "Man, th- th- this Reeve bloodline is just killing it." You got Superman, <laughs> now you got this guy because he was acting with Patrick Swayze, yeah. mm-hmm. and I was way too young to like go see and buy a ticket for Point Break. Right. I don't know if I convinced my mom to drop me off at the theater for that movie if she let me do it because Patrick Swayze big in our household mm-hmm. let's gotcha. just say mom fan of the Swayze okay. so I don't know if I was allowed to see that but I definitely remember renting it mm. and then maybe the next year at most Speed came out mm-hmm. and I was like ah oh, there's the guy again and Speed was a great action movie it, it's it's actually I think his second highest on the tomato meter Speed is uh, yeah yeah it's number two um, you know what's interesting is that I actually saw Speed 2 first uh-oh. So like, and I liked Speed 2 because I didn't you. have context to see the first one and see, oh, this fell a lot. So like, for me, that's one of those guilty pleasures. Everybody goes, this is trash. And I'm like, no, it's not. And then I rewatched them about a year ago. Oh my God, this is awful. <laughs> I love Winston's perspective where he's watching the first Speed and he's like, I don't know if Keanu can keep up with Jason Patrick because man, was he really just going all out on that boat. <sighs> I, I love that you're bringing up uh, you bring up Point Break though because I think to the the essence of the question of Keanu, mm. I grew up on Bill and Ted, mm. and that's a great that's pro- that's definitely the first time I saw him. Now that I think about yes. it, that's why Clark. That's why that's why she's the best. <laughs> well, <laughs> she was, knows my history better than I know my. You're history. welcome. You're welcome. But I I was I was thinking about it, and it's like Bill and Ted is like this like yeah dude part you know bro kind of thing, which is so uh, charming and fits him yeah. so well. And then we get into the surfing and we get into Point Break, I think, and then Keanu is of that age where he's had box office success and he's a heartthrob. So he's having to break out of this sort of surfer dude kind of thing. And and it, it's got to be a tall order if that's where the world knows mm. you have. I always think of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes. So that- A movie that should be talked about. A movie that needs to be discussed <laughs> at all times <laughs> for reasons. Um, but, you know, I think that that is not Keanu's best performance, mm. but I don't think that's his fault because he should not have been in that movie. That is not, a, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that is miscasting. And, but I understand why he was in that movie because he was hot and six, you know, big and young and all these things. So it's just a, it's just, he just is such an interesting uh, uh, figure to place in uh, opportunity for success. Is that how you see Bram Stoker's Dracula with him playing Jonathan Harker in it? Because like the one thing you can't take away from him in that movie, and I don't think he's good in the movie, is that he's he's really giving it his oh, all. Oh, he is. He's doing yes. everything he can. But to quote one of your former football coaches, Bill Parcells, saying like, if, if I'm going to cook the meal, you got to let me shop for the groceries. I almost feel like Francis Ford Coppola is like, okay, I got this cast. I got to handpick some of them. And then maybe the studio, maybe somebody else just said, hey, can you put this kid who's really hot right now in the movie too to appeal to the younger folks. Is that your read on it? Yeah, that that I could yes. Yes. That makes that actually is a very good description of it is that uh let me pick it honestly like the replacements. 
Literally, literally mm-hmm. like a, you're gonna let me handpick all the people, and then the minute Bartel, or was Bart, 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 Martel, Bartel, Martel's the quarterback. Bart, Martel, yeah. the, the, the Mar- other quarterback, the high paid pretty the, the, boy, the, the Brady, the yeah. Brady of the movie. <laughs> Uh, as soon as he crosses the picket line, it's like, a, well, no, he's the owner saying, no, he's in. And he's I, like, no, 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 no. You told me I could pick my people. I, I want Falco. And you're like, I don't care. You're putting it. That's kind of what that felt like a little Which bit. Which is why one of the many reasons why I love The Replacements so much. And we can kick off this conversation about these three movies chronologically. Mm-hmm. And The Replacements is first in 2000, followed by Hardball in 2001, then Knock Knock in 2015, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. So The Replacements, I mean, I remember coming out and my family being very excited about this movie because it is based on Washington. And that's like my family's just, it's in our blood rooting for that football team. And it was a very loose, true story that I'll go over very quickly. 1987, the year that we ended up winning the Super Bowl with Doug Williams as our quarterback and MVP. That season was strike shortened because you had one game that was missed because the players went on strike. And so when they were on the picket line, the owners said, well, this could last like it could last a month. We don't know how long. Let's get replacement players in there instead. So some teams are like, oh, we're getting replacement players. I, do we even like how do we find this? But Joe Gibbs, the coach of Washington, is like, I'm going to take advantage of the hand I'm dealt and I'm going to find the best players. And if we're only playing for one week, if we're playing for three weeks, we're going to win our games. Three weeks is how long the replacement players were playing in the NFL. Joe Gibbs' team won all three as Washington, including a big Monday night showdown in Dallas against the Cowboys when Cowboy stars like Danny White had crossed the picket line. Mm. And we still beat the Cowboys. So it's like this big thing in history. So the movie... Very, very many liberties taken with that lore, but you also have Gene Hackman as this coach who's looking to come back. Shane Falco, you talk about Keanu Reeves playing former college quarterbacks like he did in Point Break, gets to do that again as Shane Falco, who's just down and out, living on a boat, very simple life, trying to hold his dreams at bay because it doesn't seem like they're going to come through. Then he gets this opportunity, and we love a movie where a guy gets an opportunity as an underdog and knocks it out of the stadium. I got to ask you a question. Because you just answered it, but I need to just verify that you're not just pulling my leg. You're telling me that they legitimately put amateur football players and still beat the Dallas Cowboys in, like, real life. Yeah. This is the worst day of my life. (laughs) Why do you think I invited you on the show? I thought you you were a horrible person. I I thought because you missed me, but clearly it was just a troll. Not saying I'm a good guy. I, but, I brought your Washington Commanders here. You let me borrow so I could shoot that TikTok. I'm going to burn it now. You're oh, not getting it back. Well, you, you know what? I, I, whatever makes Dan Snyder just uh, stay up at night. So you do you do the burning in effigy <laughs> all you want. Uh, Clark, when you watch The Replacements, what is it about the movie for you that says, wait a minute, wait, the tomato meter got this wrong. This is a fresh movie. Yeah, first of all, I think that Keanu is really, speaking of casting, is really well cast in this. Mm-hmm. In that he's a movie star. Um, but he feels so relatable. And I think that in the character of Shane Falco, it's like this guy who was a star, who had a bad day, and is somebody special, but has been sort of pushed to, you know, out of the spotlight. So I could totally, I feel like he just inhabits that energy of somebody you can't take your eyes off of. You know that they are, they are someone special and yet they're living this humble, modest kind of reserved life. And so it fit, it fit him. Like, I, I will get to hardball in a second, but I will say his relationship with those kids was so 
great. Mm-hmm. But do I buy him as a loan, a guy who's like in trouble with loan sharks and what? I mean, no, I, I, I don't. You know what I mean? So you buy Morris just like that, that, that root for a bull underdog yes. where he's going to take this ragtag and take them from a bunch of individuals and make them a team, which is really what he does in both movies. Mm-hmm. And he's so, the, the other thing I like about it is like, you know, he he's the star of the movie, but the replacements is an ensemble. It's mm-hmm. truly an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has, I can tell you, two uh, scenes or gags or jokes with every character from the team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and the other part that really stood out to me about this movie, aside from the cast, which we talked about a little earlier, and, and them all being stars, is uh, Gene Hackman. You know, Gene Hackman is one of those actors who I've always appreciated. He does not phone things in. Never. No, he doesn't. It, it doesn't matter if it, something is quote-unquote beneath him mm. or whatever you might say. Like, I, I looked at some of the negative reviews of The Replacements, and it was like, what? What's Gene Hackman doing here? You know, whatever. <laughs> but honestly, I feel like he's he's great. Yeah. He's great in this movie. And um, so, yeah, to me, that is that is sort of what makes this better than I think people give it credit for. I think that's one of the things that legitimizes this movie, Winston, is that you do have, a, you have Jack Warden as the owner, you have Gene Hackman as as the coach, Reese Siphons, John Favre, so Favre, Orlando Jones. Like, there's so many great players in this movie. And I love your point, Clark, about just, like, making it feel like everybody gets their time to shine. My favorite moments in this movie are I love when the players are at the bar and they're rallying around each other. They yeah. get into a fight. They're defending each other. Like all of a sudden, they become individuals into a team, into a family of sorts. But the other thing I love, and you, I think you were at the tail end of this era in your football watching, mm-hmm. is having Pat Summerall and John Madden. Oh my god! Oh yeah, that in was the fun. Booth, that was amazing. Uh, during games is great, but having them be the inner monologue of Shane Falco during that kiss scene at the bar, where so it's good. like. Uh, that is how, I don't know if every guy does this. I certainly do. Yeah, but I'll tell you this. All it takes is one big play to get him back in the ballgame. And here goes Falco. To this day, I have announcers in my head that usually sound like either Al Michaels or Pat Summerall and John Madden commenting on everything I'm doing in my life. So if you think I don't have two guys in the booth when I'm on a date, you are sadly mistaken. It's it's, it's Bill Simmons, the bang, bang, you did it. Like it's one of those. (laughs) But I, I... that is the thing I think that's so amazing for me is like, again, Orlando Jones phase on love. The, like for me, it's just mm-hmm. like a black youth, like for comedy and like where my mind is going, like the whole like, oh, this your car. Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> or like, yeah, you know, you know how you know how uh, Crippa Franklin does, baby girl. You know what I mean? I'd be out here in these streets, girl. And then like getting thrown out by John Favreau. But then even having those those really heartwarming moments of, uh, you know, I can't remember the the character's name, but where he has his knee injury in college. And he's like, all I want is one touchdown. If I get one touchdown before I get out of here, then I consider this a success. Right. And I think for all of us that have really like sought after a dream one way or the other, you've had your highs, you've had your lows. You just hope for that one moment that you can get to that one goal you really want. And so having those little moments in there is what's so... I, th- I think what brings people back to this movie. That's so interesting you say that because you can watch any sports movie get inspired. Like The Natural is is a touchstone film for a lot of people, but you got to remember Roy Hobbs, guy had a lot of talent, 
he was hitting dingers. I mean, he had that special bat, but also he was just talented. Then he got sidetracked. Mm -hmm. So he's a guy who you knew could do stuff like that and have that Kirk Gibson moment. But with these guys, it's like this is the closest I've ever felt to being on an NFL field. Mm -hmm. Is I'm like, well, these guys could do it. I got it. There's got to be a role for me somewhere. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And the other reason why I'm so thrilled to have this particular panel today, Clark, is not just to rub it in Winston's face that we beat Dallas in, again, checks notes, 1987. I'm still dining out on it. But also you, hailing from Atlanta. Yes. So my Washington quarterback of the last couple of years, it's been a great underdog, very Shane Falco story to the point where he actually wears a Shane Falco jersey to the stadium sometimes. Oh, wow, really? Taylor Heineke. And Taylor Heineke, as of this morning when we're recording this, just signed a deal for two years with the Atlanta Falcons. So he's no longer my quarterback, but I always love him. And uh, he, he just gave us so many great moments. And he feels like a Shane Falco type because he's scrappy, he's an underdog, mm. he he played at ODU. He was undersized, wasn't the biggest arm, but he just guts out victories to the point where he's the winningest Washington quarterback we've had in some time. Now he's on your team. So you have Shane Falco on the Falcons. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Which is also a nice entry point as we get into hardball here, because that's the next movie sequentially. And you talk about a film where any sports movie is going to get me somewhat emotional. Hardball does the impossible for Mark Ellis's cold, dead Grinch heart. It makes me root for kids, and it makes me so... I don't even want to get to the heartbreak yet, but it makes me root for kids, Winston. We're talking about The Last of Us right before we went to air, and like, did Joel make the right decision with that? And I'm like, look, I don't know kids, so I think that's an indefensible decision, but you put this movie on our table. I did. Is it the kids that get you? Is it Keanu? Is it the relationships? It's, it is definitely the kids. It does not mean that you don't appreciate uh what keanu is bringing to the table uh but it is definitely the kids it is the the back and forth but it's also just for context of where we're at at this point this comes out september 14 2001 this is three days after september 11th that this still drops and the soundtrack dropped on september 11th yes it yeah. did and so to one it didn't like really gross that much of a profit i mean 44 million over 32 like that's not that technically if we're still falling under that you got to do double your budget to get to marketing that sure. you, you technically didn't cover. But for it to do any sort of money at that point where a lot of people were scared in that moment, similar to the pandemic where you're just at home, people were not, they certainly weren't traveling, but they weren't going to the movies, but some people did because they needed a distraction. Um, for it to do even that well. For anybody to see this movie. Absolutely. Is an achievement. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But for it to become such a cult classic, like I, I will never forget uh, the whole like big papa like mm -hmm. dancing to get the kid to like to be able to pitch and whatnot. 
I didn't realize it was Michael B. Jordan in this movie until right. years later. He plays Jamal, yeah. Yes, he does. And so I so even to that, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, he's been out here doing it for a minute. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, the wire was the first thing he did. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It was this. Mm-hmm. Um, or one of the first things he did. Um, I know we're uh, you know, a lot of people in the black community are tired of like white savior movies and this idea of like, I'm going to come in the hood and I'm going to fix you and blah, 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 blah. But there is something about this one in particular. Um, and you see this with the kids where it's like, who is this corny white man? He's like, whatever. <laughs> and you see Kofi is running his mouth nonstop. And he's like, man, you trash dog. Why were you, why are you so fat? And why are you this or whatever? And so Keanu Connor hits a ball right at him. He goes, Hey, why'd you duck? You scared? And they were like, oh, okay, coach got something mm-hmm. here. And that was what Keanu was able to do. What happened? Kofi just jumped out of the way like a baby. Why is everyone so quiet? What's up, Kofi? You scared of the ball? <laughs> New rule. No one can say anything bad to anyone else on the field. Got it? It's the, it's that Michelle Pfeiffer dangerous minds moments where it's like you guys really want to push me? Do, do you know where I come from? Watch yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he can't Reeves. He, he's got he's 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 mixed race, but he can certainly pass as a as as a white guy like me. Absolutely. When you when you look at this movie, and, and I'll give credit for this, and actually one of my favorite reviewers, she's killing me right now. Uh, Quadi Pugh from USA Today. She said Hardball has more going for it than the Dismal Replacements, which came out <laughs> the year did, before. I did I so, did see that comparison, and I was like, okay. I want you on the show, Claudia. You're my favorite movie reviewer but you're just uh, just twisting that knife uh for me clark i was and i you know how much i love the replacements and and with your movie knock knock i think that hardball has the best case for like seriously why in the hell are you rotten on the tomato meter because it's i I can understand people watching the replacements and just thinking it's ridiculous and it's too comedic or or whatever they might have i can say it as cinema i i understand some of your gripes with Hardball, I'm sort of dumbfounded. The only thing I can think of is like it just made critics so sad at the end because we lose somebody that we didn't expect to. And that's why they graded it lower. Yeah. I mean, I think well, this is this is a real uh, combination of a lot of things. Like, so Brian Robbins directing, who was responsible for most of us 90s kids childhoods, you know, uh, of, you know, Keenan and Kel and sure. all that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it, this movie... D- Here's what I would say. This movie doesn't fit neatly into a heartwarming white savior movie. Mm-hmm. There's some really upsetting stuff in this movie and not just the thing at the end, which I'm sure we'll get to. I Watching watching these kids get beat up sucks. Like, I really didn't, I didn't care for it. You know what? I'm going to go on record <laughs> and saying I did not <laughs> enjoy watching these children be beat up. That it, was not great for me. It, it always hurts my feelings, and, and that's one of the reasons why I hate that I'm rooting for kids in a movie, but it's like seeing kids get bullied, I cannot that's, stand it. And and I think that maybe some of this might have been too real. Like, mm. too, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like sure. this doesn't fit neatly into what we've come to expect from these movies, especially uh, sports movies. Sure. As, but, you know, and so and so maybe it was a little like, I don't I don't know what they were thinking, but maybe they're saying, th- I mean, you're just t- tugging on that utter of emotion a little too much. Maybe you're overdoing it. But but even that, it just feels like, I mean. It, it does feel like a more realistic sports movie agreed. as a result. Ag- agreed, agreed. So I, I certainly don't certainly don't share that criticism. Mm-hmm. Sure. But in terms of why did critics not rally around this, um, may- maybe that's a solution. I don't know. 
it, it's funny because I was just trying to, I was looking at some of these right now, and one of the ones uh, that I can sort of agree with from Eric Childish, uh, uh, Childress, excuse mm-hmm. me, who was saying that they kind of pulled the punches a little bit yes. because it was PG-13. And okay. I sort of agree. There, there are moments, obviously, that I think you, you still hit on. So Jefferson getting jumped for his bag, uh, the, you know, the sitting on the floor, you know, for gunshots, and then obviously the, the, the very sad ending. But yeah, you, you, you kind of only touch on it a little bit. I understand that Keanu is the main character here, but I always found myself way more interested as to what's going on in these children's lives. Totally. Um, so whenever we went to his bookie situation, I'm like, okay, and like we we saw Emilio do this already, you know, with the Mighty Ducks. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. It's, it's <laughs> like we, we now that we met the team, yeah. we don't care about the coach's individual problems no. as much. I don't no. care about his DUI. I don't care about his game. But let's just get back to the diamond. Yes, absolutely. And so that's that. That is the one thing that I will say is I do genuinely wish I I would have. Um, one of my other favorite sports movies, Coach Carter, uh, with Samuel L. Jackson, also directed by Brian Robbins. Really? Yeah. No, see that you need more confidence. It's yeah. all in there. Yeah, you just, you there just didn't somewhere. realize it. Yeah. He also directed Good Burger for. Uh, he did. Yeah, I did yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, but the fact that we have moments that when um, I cannot remember the actor's name, but he is on um, Law and Order. Uh, organized crime right now mm-hmm. um he he plays the the latino uh high schooler that like quits the team and then kind of his cousin gets murdered and then he still begs to come back right it's the idea that we actually followed when he left the team and what that meant we saw jamal for half a second and we was like jamal and he's like and just mm-hmm. puts his head down i would have liked to have seen a situation where maybe jamal was forced to shoot along with them and maybe he's the reason that G Baby unfortunately yeah. passes, or maybe he ends up like catching a case of some sort. Not because I want to see bad things happen, but if we're really going to go there, if we're really going to touch it, do it. I will say when when so yes, uh, G Money or excuse me, G Baby. When G Baby is killed, um, I will say for me, it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere because right. we weren't following that story closely enough, mm-hmm. right? It felt like two movies kind of being put into one, and and so maybe you know and. And it it shocked me. I mean, I feel like I had seen the replacements on TV growing up, and maybe I had seen a scene or two of Hardball uh, on TV, but I did not. I did not remember this ending. If I had, and so, but but I was like, I I, I we keep like uh, dipping our toe into the real lives of these kids, right. and then when this very extreme outcome happens i was like whoa okay uh it was very it was very sad and the veneer of hardball and i think this is why it throws people for a loop even like when i'm re-watching it you know it's it, it, it for very different reasons it's like another sports movie tin cup where <laughs> it, it, nobody's dying at the end of tin cup but you just watch uh kevin costner's character roy mack he just keeps Dropping a, dropping a ball and trying to hit it over the water, and you're like, dude, you're blowing your shot at winning the U.S. Open. I can't watch that scene. So I love Tin Cup up to that moment. Then I just go walk the dog. <laughs> Same thing with Hardball. But Hardball had that veneer of Bad News Bears, yes. of yeah. the Sandlot, of like these baseball movies that we just love. And oh, that coach isn't mismatched with these players. How is this all going to work? And then it, there are some some genuine comedic wacky moments, and, and it's funny. But then there's also just like we were not expecting. We the, the Sandlot and Bad News Bears did not. Try train us for the drama in this movie. You, you know what this feels like? Cause I had mentioned the mighty ducks earlier. This feels like if the mighty ducks is the fresh Prince of Bel-Air, 
Hardball is Bel Air. It's a, it's a, it's a, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you what's really going reboot. on. Like yeah. the gritty reboot of like what, what this, sure, this rich dude comes in, or in this case, not that rich, but just like he's in yeah. his own little white world and he's coming down into it. And I just, this movie will always have a special place in my heart, especially because we also got the, the, the rap super group, the Lil Rascals mm-hmm. that consisted of Lil Wayne, Lil Zane, Lil Bow Wow at the time. And oh my God, and Lil Sammy. Uh, there you go. That, oh, that, that track I had on repeat. I remember that was one of the first songs. I don't know if I can admit to crimes in 2001, <laughs> but that, that, that was one of the first songs I legally downloaded <laughs> off Kazaa. Oh no. This, this was Lars the Ulrich jam. is listening. Don't, <laughs> don't let he's going to come to call Metallica. <laughs> the Metallica <laughs> van shows up. And <laughs> nope. They're just blasting Ride the That'll Lightning. That'll be 99 cents, sir. <laughs> It's like, it's not even your band, Lars. Relax. Nope, oh it's goodness. the principle of the thing. It's the yeah. Piracy is not a victimless crime. It's yes. all it's it's all coming out now. Everybody just airing their dirty laundry here on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> is wrong. As we transition into Clark's movie, Knock Knock, yes. which is the most recent of the films. It also has the distinct pleasure of being the lowest rate on the tomato meter of the four because replacement's 41%, as is Hardball. Knock knock a little lower, thirty seven percent. My opening question to you, Clark, is: I, I know you love you love horror movies, yeah. and you're one of these people that can vacillate between your fun jump scare horror movies, your your slashers, where we're cracking jokes, and your elevated horror, so to speak. I'm curious what the audience was expecting in your world coming into this, because the audience score, unlike Hardball and the Replacements, where the audience score jumps up to fresh, here thirty seven percent rotten for the tomato meter, nineteen percent for the audience score. What did both the critics and the audience miss with this movie? This is a great question, and I think this is a big part of why Knock Knock is not as well-received as it could be. Hmm. The idea that it was sold on Eli Roth's name, Eli Roth, of course, co-writer and the director of this movie, best known arguably for the Hostel series um, and and Cabin Fever before that. And I think that Eli, you know, Eli's a now, uh, with with more time, has, has directed kids' movies. Movies and he's directed he's directed a, a plethora of different kinds of films. But at this point, if you're selling this as a home invasion movie from Eli Roth, expecting a lot of blood and a yeah, lot of guns, exactly, and starring Keanu Reeves, right? So, um, you know, I think the expectations is a big part of way, of of these of these scores. When when I watch this movie, I'm like. Oh yes, Eli is, and that, you know, you do any reading into it, you see that he is uh, remaking a, a, an exploitation film from the '70s. But this is Eli doing his uh, his European cinema. This is him doing a, a trashy exploitation movie, a sex movie. Like this is a very specific type of film that if you don't know that going in, you probably are like, I'm sorry, what? And I also think that to the point about the acting, you know, there is a stylized type of acting. And I think that this is for me, Keanu's like something that's so interesting, not just about Keanu Reeves, but about movie stars. When we know movie stars, we know what they should be doing and how they should be acting. <laughs> and I think that this is just a wild performance from everyone involved, but everybody commits. And for me, that is the thing that I always appreciate and I always enjoy. I won't quote from it, but there is a monologue at the end of this movie where Keanu <laughs> recaps the events that we have just witnessed. Thank you for that. He is tied to a chair, and it is... I mean, it is, it is something. You're gonna kill me. 
You're gonna fucking kill me! Why? Why? Because I fucked you? You fucked me! You fucked me! You came to my house! You came to me! I got you a car! I brought you your clothes and you took a fucking bubble bath! You wanted it! You wanted it! You came out to me! It is so... But to me, that is not an accident. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, Keanu Reeves is a is a very talented performer. This is just something a little outside the norm for him. And I think that style of performance is intentional. That would be my argument. That's what I was going to ask you. Is like, Winston, I watched this movie, and it just seems so... Like, I'm prepared for, like, a, a thriller along the lines of something like The Strangers, right? Where mm-hmm. there's a knock, and you're like, what the <laughs> hell is happening? And it's a home invasion kind of movie, like you said. Plus, this movie had the, I say, displeasure coming out in 2015, a year after Keanu had his resurgence. John Wick, he's got the long hair. It's raining in those movies. There's a crap ton of violence. So we're like, oh, what's he going to do now as a bad guy? And then you watch it. There's a lot of camp to this, too. And it feels like to hear Clark talk about it feels like that was intentional. But you can only say that if it's really hitting home. And sometimes it just doesn't work even if that's what you're expecting. it's So what my issue is, is because I don't have a problem with any sort of committing. It's just that <laughs> tonally it shifts so much yes. and not in a balanced way that I can't ever anchor. So we kind of start off with him and like, oh, the monster's going to get you. And like, come on, baby. Like that acting in that moment with the family, I was like, this isn't uh, good to start off. Then Louise shows up. I'm like, okay, he's, he is clearly in a realistic world Whereas it feels like the family's like, we're in a movie. Hi, dad. (laughs) And then the girls show up. And that also feels very grounded where it's just like, hey, we're stranded. And you can see that the the grift is coming one way or the other. And then they're kind of turning the the sex appeal on and all that. All of that feels very like this is a real thing that's going on. Oh, dude, don't do it. Don't do it. And then the minute we actually get into the girls going a little bit crazy. That was almost two zero to 100 of like he wakes up and the entire kitchen is destroyed. I was like, "Mm, I'm not saying that you don't go for it, but like I just it was it was (laughs) why are we already doing 200 on the freeway? I was asleep for four hours. Right. And we're doing 200. Whoa. So just the tone of the movies jostling you around like you're like like you're in a 4DX theater and you weren't prepared for like all this just back and forth. And and then to that point, I get what Clark's saying is that actors should want to try and branch out. Um, They should want to try different things, different states of emotions, different states of being. But like. When Keanu's having his full, oh, hell yeah. Like, I don't believe that. I feel like they're like, more Keanu, more, more, more. And I'm like, no, less, less. I don't, I don't know. Pull it back. Pull it back. <laughs> and this is, I will say for, because with the Eli Roth of it all, you know, with the excess, yeah, yeah. like in Hostel or Cabin Fever, we are just like over the top, right? right. And so, yes, to your point, we, it, he more, instead of more blood, it's more screaming, more of this, more of that, right? And so again, like, a, a choice right. and, 
And I totally understand a choice that does not work for everybody. But it it is the type of thing that I love. The sandbox, I love seeing Eli plan. I also wanted to mention, Eli uh, grew up, one of his parents is an artist. Mm. He grew up in the art world. Mm. And so I love the idea of there's that little bit of satire, that camp around the art world and things like that. Like these, are, But again, I, I totally understand if it is not effective for well, other people. I wanted to ask you, Clark, too, about, because you mentioned Eli Roth and having his name attached. Mm-hmm. was a big deal still is a big deal for movies and getting a film made and distributed you have him and Keanu Reeves this movie premiered at Sundance Mm -hmm. in early 2015 immediately gets picked up by Lionsgate because they're like oh it's it's got Keanu super hot right now it's got Eli Roth but it feels to me like the marketing for this movie may have been a mislead as to what it was along the lines of something like when we saw M. Night Shyamalan's name in the village and we're expecting this is a creature feature turned out to be something very different which left me cold as a viewer at the time but now I watch The Village I'm like this is a great movie because now I don't have that set of expectations Mm -hmm. it comes at night another horror movie where it's like feels like it's setting you up for one thing it ended up being something else so it's it's an increasingly crowded space with how many films are made so you feel like you have to stand out if if you're Lionsgate you're like okay we we, we just bought this thing we gotta make it stand out we gotta make a trailer that's gonna sell this movie put butts in seats it ended up costing I think two and a half million dollars and the worldwide gross was like five and a half million dollars. But is that part of, I guess, your argument where it's like this movie was not marketed. So we already had a different set of expectations in our head than what we should have had, given what the movie actually wanted to be. I would agree with that. I would also say this is the the first time I saw Ana de Armas. And I actually I know you did not care for the performance. I love her in this movie. Okay. She's wild and um <laughs> and and that's the thing like so so then i started thinking about deep water with mm. her and ben affleck that it, this is uh, i believe that's adrian lynn so it's this like real throwback erotic thriller in the vein of like basic instinct and fatal attraction or whatever so it's different and and i would argue deep water didn't actually go there far enough but that was another one where i was looking at the acting like ben affleck is so wild it's like it's just these performances if you're if you transport them back to 1992 you're like oh this would be a different story <laughs> but uh i bring it up because um, uh, I think that if this movie came out now, maybe, and it was, and we were having the conversation of like, this is very much in the vein of your, you know, exploitation and and it is a sex movie. And it's, oh my gosh, y'all, Ana de Armas, it just, daddy, daddy. And then <laughs> she's- I thought she did well with that. And then yes. in Blonde though, she's just nominated for an Oscar right. and she's calling everybody daddy again. And I'm like, oh my God. You were trained got, for this. I just love, this yes, was, girl, the yes. Run. It's the daddy. Oh, daddy. Yes, oh. Oh my God. It's just, I get it. It's a hoot. <laughs> I, you know, Clark, it's funny you mentioned that because about, about uh, if we did it again, this the one thing that kept ringing into my head, honestly, is uh, are either of you Black Mirror fans? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. This, oh, yeah. This. As much as I can stomach, and don't watch it right before you go to bed. No. Not that kind of show. Oh, I made your a mistake dreams, one time. You're gonna Ooh. have some Nyquil dreams. The one with the the video game. Ooh, that not not oh. the, no no not, not not the one with, with Anthony Mackie. Mackie. Not yeah. that one. The virtual reality one with uh, uh Wyatt Russell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I watched that to sleep, and then I had the worst nightmare. I did the a, same exact thing. <sighs> we should start a group. <laughs> Seriously. Um. But shut up and dance. If you remember that one, that's where the kid gets this anonymous text, go to this spot right now, or I'm going to send the photos of the the video of you uh, to little kids. And then as you go through, you find out all mm. these people that are being forced to do it. Also that exploitation. 
to kind of see that there where like, sure, there were little moments of comedy about them arguing who was going to rob the bank and who was going to drive the car and things like that. It was so grounded in such a ridiculous premise that I was like, oh my God, the entire time. Whereas this, when at points I'm seeing Keanu from speed after the stairs blow up and he's like, <laughs> like, I was like, bro, bring me back. What are you doing? That, and I, I, I honestly did like Anna's uh, performance. It could be uneven just based off overall sure. what's going on. But like Lorenza, sometimes she was just too much for me. And I, and I didn't necessarily believe what was happening. And I don't know if that's the writing. I don't know if that's the acting. I'm not sure where the, we connect those dots. But I understand why Keanu would have been attracted to this project. If done properly, this is the type of premise that you, you eat up. This is the type of thing that could get you an Oscar nod at some point. I mean, look at what Parasite did. But like... I just don't think it was executed very well. I feel like this movie could limp into close to fresh territory, but I don't. I don't think I can get it to fresh. Uh, Winston <laughs> has it downgraded on his demate, on his personal. I'm just gonna TM. say, uh, interesting choice of words. The <laughs> <laughs> limping to fresh. Um, so that is knock knock. And but Clark, I also wanted to ask you because you have this new movie. It's getting a big theatrical release. Yes. Malum, yes. tell us a little bit about that and how, you know, you look at a movie like Knock Knock and, and you want the audience to understand what they're going in for. Yes, a great, great point. Um, so I have I am in a movie called Malum. It is in theaters on March 31st. It's a small, uh, well, it's a it's an indie horror movie from a new production company called Welcome Villain. And uh, when I say it's in theaters, it's like not day and date, not doing like a weekend. It's, it's gonna be in theaters. So got us a run. Go check it out. You know, horror is having, especially indie small horror is having such an interesting time at the box office right now with Skinnamarink and with, you know, uh, Terrifier 2 and Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Like it sounds funny, <laughs> yeah. but all these movies are made crossing the million dollar line because they're actually getting a theatrical release. So um, Malum is a reimagining of an independent film directed by Anthony de Blasi called The Last Shift. Hmm. Um, a lot of people have seen it maybe on streaming services, came out, I believe, in 2015. And Anthony made that money or that movie for very little money. And with what he was able to do, I love The Last Shift, but like I, knowing how hard he worked and what little resources he had, it's amazing how effective that movie is. And so when Welcome Villain was starting up, they went back to Anthony and they said, hey, would you ever want to revisit The Last Shift with more resources and more money. And and he so he took them up on that opportunity, which is like such an amazing thing for a filmmaker. And so he has been describing it as it's not a reboot. It's not a remake. It is a reimagining. They are separate movies, but you will see a similar through line here. Huh. And one of the things that Anthony was able to do was really expand on the cult. So the premise is a, uh, a rookie police officer, her father, it was a police officer as well. He was killed uh, at this police station when a, a cult that he had stopped came for him. Mm, and wow. so her first shift as a police officer is to guard the abandoned police station that he died in overnight. Oh, that's not going to be something. And then, then, you know what? No. It doesn't go well. No, just, no. no spoilers. It's going to go so smooth, um, I think. So, yeah. See, I already know <laughs> if, if it had been a, a black boy and his daddy had been killed like that, would be like, well, dad, I'm sorry, son. I, I got I to get out of here. I can't. <laughs> I, I, is that some fire? I got to go. I can't. 
so, so yes. Yeah, so I play one of the cult members, and that is something that is different from uh, from the first film to this reimagining. Is we really get to spend more time with the cult and nice. with this mythology. Um, the Russells, who have done the practical effects for the new Hellraiser movie, and and so many awesome practical effects, did our creature effects as well. So it is uh, it is a wild ride. It's so exciting it's really to have fun. this coming out and and have a theatrical run yes. where folks out there can see. Because I've always said this about horror movies. I think even more so than comedies. I think horror movies are the flicks that you want to see in a theater opening weekend with a packed house because just the way people are reacting. <laughs> I don't like, know nope. that we're getting Winston there. <laughs> All right, that's okay. fine. That's what was fair. the last horror movie you saw in a theater? Scream 6. Okay. I don't. Right. I actually like the Scream 6. You can do the that, Screams, that, that, okay. That's, that's, that's easy to do um, for like a, a multitude of different reasons, but there is a level of like comedy to it that it doesn't, right. it doesn't fully... Um, any Jordan Peele stuff, mm -hmm. I I won't lie. Every time that Daniel Kaluuya said nope, I was like, yeah, nope, <laughs> nope, absolutely not. Um, but also because seeing those are always fun because I, I, if you haven't, I highly recommend the next Jordan Peele movie that comes out. Go see it at a black theater because oh. when I tell you black folk treat it the same way that we treat live theater and we will talk to the movie as, as the stereotype goes, <laughs> but like to collectively, like at Get Out, I had this one... I, there, there was this one <laughs> dude that when he was looking at the photos of all the different people she had kidnapped, dude goes, uh oh, not Darrell and Tyrone and Laquisha. Yo, homie, you better get out. Like, <laughs> I absolutely Oh, so it. that's where the title came from. Yes. Just kidding. Yes. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah, so, and I know yeah. you saw us. I did. I loved us. Yeah, I loved so us. So you can, you can, we can get him to the theater. I think for uh -huh. Malin, which is, uh, uh, you can uh, nationwide on March thirty first. I will always support. I will always support homie. So while I may be in there the whole time, being like, I can't believe I'm watching this for clock. I'll, I'll do it. No, he's he's buying a ticket, and then he's hanging in the lobby for two I hours. Love it. I and love then, it. And then we're gonna come out. He's going, Oh, it was so good. I loved it. You man. ask him one thing about the plot. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a cool. Oh plot. yeah, that police thought that. Thing. Yeah. Is it more of a thriller? That's my question. It is not. Okay, it's a straight it is horror. Straight up horror. Okay. I will say that is the thing that I've been telling family and friends is like, you know, this is this is not a crossover movie. <laughs> I don't see a lot of crossover. If you are a horror fan, this is a movie for you. I mean, truly, <laughs> it is. And don't get me wrong, the acting is great. I saw it, I watched it last night, so I've seen it. Um, the acting is great. If you're into true crime, like the, the cult mm. element is really interesting and and all of that. But yeah, this is a movie for horror fans which is really fun and I, I hope they get out cannot there cannot wait as of this taping mere weeks away from Malm opening in theaters March 31st uh, I want to end this movie talk segment quickly by reminding everybody that Keanu Reeves as Clark highlighted we many of us first met him in the Bill and Ted movies happy to say that both Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted the most recent one that came out is fresh on the tomato meter wow. Bill and Ted's bogus journey 56% just, just missing that fresh mark. I think that's a fresh movie. I think that movie might have been ahead of its time, and it was a sequel that was made around the time we got like Batman Returns, where it's like sequels, and they went in rapidly different directions than the audience might have expected. How'd the audience do on it, though? 56% for the audience oh, as well. Oh, wow. Oh, they didn't like station it up. That movie's fresh alone for death, and his performance, it's just so good. Damn right. All right, let's go to the big finish. Brian, hit the music. 
Thank you so much to my special guest joining us today, Winston A. Marshall. Where can all the fans out there find you and your love for the Dallas Cowboys who, checks notes, did lose on Monday Night Football in 1987 <sighs> to replacement You're players. going to keep doing this, Fielded by you? Washington. Why do I keep coming on the show? Um... <laughs> Uh, you can find me at the Swaggy Blurred. Uh, I am doing all the things uh, across all the platforms, man. So YouTube, TikTok, Twitter. If you want to see me, you know, coming people trying to come for the Queen Angela Bassett. I'm not here for it. I'm not. Um, <laughs> but uh, all, all across that stuff, I got a lot of comedy stuff going on there, a lot of sketches and whatnot. But and then also some great review shows. And I'm also, as uh, Mark mentioned, on Capes and Cows with Christian Harloff over on his channel as well. So come check all that out. Come say what's up. Uh, got some fun stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks that I'm very excited. I don't want to ruin any surprises, though. There you go. So yeah. you could kind of say, like, Capes and Cows speak. You could say uh, the Sandlot is like Batman and Robin, and then Hardball is like the Batman with Robert Pattinson, where it's like the yeah. same kind of sport, but very, yeah. very, different very different vibes. Very different. Very different <laughs> vibes. Uh, Clark Wolf, thank you so much for joining us. It's my fault that we took so long to have you on the show, but I'm glad we timed it well because you got the short, a shining example coming out and then Malaman Theaters March 31st. Indeed, you're correct. And can I just say we just did this entire show. I just noticed that camera. My camera. Wait, wait, <laughs> bruh, for real? <laughs> <laughs> Only just noticed that camera. She just got out of a cult, everybody. Give her a break. She's still reacclimating <laughs> to normal society. But see, that's that's amazing though, because you were just like kind of t- you were you I were was in it, it and I yeah. was I was playing to the wide. Uh anyway, thank you for having me. Was, this was very fun. Uh yes, Malam is in theaters on March 31st, and you can find Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Clark Wolf. Clark with an E, Wolf with an E. All right, I guess this was the dress rehearsal. So now everybody knows where the cameras are. We're going to knock this whole episode out again. Uh, I am merely Mark Ellis. For upcoming stand updates, you can go to markellis.live. Thank you so much to the whole team here at Rotten Tomatoes. Reminder that occasionally on this show, we do like hearing from you so much that I'll read an email that you can send anytime RT is wrong at rottentomatoes.com is our address. Let us know what movies you want us to talk about, your thoughts on the movies that we just covered. What is your favorite rotten Keanu Reeves movie? Comment and let us know whatever you like to do for your favorite podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. Do that for us because obviously, we're your favorite. And next week, it's an after dark, and we're going to be celebrating 25 years of Rotten Tomatoes. So special guests on that show that may look very familiar if you just watched our show here today. Whether you watched, you listened, we always appreciate it. For the whole gang here at Rotten Tomatoes and my beloved co-host, Jacqueline Coley, I am merely Mark Ellis saying, Chicks dig scars. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.